Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, as we say goodbye to this beautiful year of 2021 and the month of December, we are talking to some very elite entrepreneurs. And my guest today is no exception. Golkan is an international number one best-selling author. She's an international speaker, podcaster, barrister, attorney, solicitor, an intuitive life coach, an EFT expert, an energy healer, a money mindset expert, and she's also a mom, <laughs> as if she had some free time left for that. She's also a former banking and finance lawyer who left, as many of us, her corporate job to pursue her passion. Today, she's a money mindset expert and healer. And what does that mean? Well, she helps entrepreneurs, people like me, people like you, break free from limiting beliefs about money so that we can all live a life of unlimited abundance. Now, you know, we all have these things in us. So we're going to talk with her about that and learn a little bit more about how we can overcome. But speaking of overcoming, I want you to know a little bit more about her. She successfully overcame her battle with dyslexia. And then after that, completed her law, law degree at Queen Mary University in London. She went on to become a barrister, as we spoke about, and an attorney with the New York Bar and a qualified solicitor with the Law Society of England and Wales in the UK. Now, she's worked as a lawyer in the past for some of the top international law firms. And, you know, she's uh, also then taken all that knowledge and brought it into what she's doing today as a trained intuitive life coach and a certified emotional freedom technique expert specializing in money. So now here's something. If you're going, hey, Michael, I'm not sure if she's going to really help me in my business. I want you to know this. She's helped hundreds of people heal their money stories and manifest between, get this, hold on to your, hold on to your hats here, between $2,000 and $830,000 within eight weeks. Now she lives with her two children, and her two cats in London has two passions, money and Bollywood. So we're going to learn more about that too. Joining me today is Gull. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. And I'm super excited to be speaking to you. Yay. And I can't wait to, you'll have to tell us about your two cats too, because my cat is uh, sleeping very near at the moment and uh, giving me the wide eye, like, isn't it time for dinner yet? And so, you know, hopefully she <laughs> won't join us in this, but I know I'm, I'm a mother of an adult child, but now I feel like I'm a mother of another child that's furry. So <laughs> totally get well, it. Of course they're your fur babies. Like, I think my, my two cats get, get more of my attention than my two other babies. <laughs> I know. I was really, my husband and I were uh, going through scrolling for pictures for our Christmas cards. And uh, I said, you know, it's funny because we got our, uh, we had a cat before and he was almost 18. He lived a long and healthy life. 
And then he passed away several years ago. And because at that time we were traveling so much, my husband said, no, we're not having another one. Well, then COVID hit. And then a shelter said, we need somebody to foster. And we had her about five minutes before she, you know, became our, our, uh, you know, live-in family member. But I had to laugh going back through my pictures of the last year, because I think I had more pictures of her than anything else the entire year. So totally get it. (laughs) But we're not here to talk about hat cats. Even though they they have a tendency to come and sit in your lap just randomly when they feel like it. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It's amazing. Well, Gul, you have a really impressive background. Um, And not just because of all your degrees or even overcoming dyslexia, but because you deal with an issue that um, I've had some other experts talk about uh, over the last several years. And it is always a topic that people respond to incredibly well because we all have money stuff. And, you know, you talk about it as money stories, but, you know, we have some baggage when it comes to money, all of us, some way or another. Um, So I hit kind of the highlights, but tell us a little bit more about you and your business today and how what you do helps people to shock their financial or money potential. (laughs) Well, I think the best way to to describe it would be for me to realize, I, you know, that I everything I teach is something that I've experienced firsthand in my own life. And I've, I've sort of come to aware, you know, awareness around it. I think there's some, there's only so much you can learn from books. There's only so much you can learn from attending courses. It's life itself, the experiences that life throws at you when all the aha moments come together. So yes, I, you know, I did, I did succeed very, very well as a child, but, uh, you know, I was dyslexic, but I, I see dyslexia as a gift from God. I don't see it as, as a hindrance. It gave me the work ethics to do what I do and I, to be who I am right now. And then my life went ahead when my mom passed away, when I was I, the only parent I knew, by the way, because I, I had a single parent uh, mother and my mother actually. And I'm going to explain that in a bit why that was a relevance to me. And that was the pivotal point in my life later on where I realized oh, the aha moment that comes. But my mother left my father when he remarried. Mm-hmm. And I, I became, you know, she obviously she became a single mother. And I actually grew up in and really would be the ghetto, you would call it, I suppose. It was really the poor town part of London growing up in council estate with, you know, with all other people with very low income families. And, and my brother went off the rails and I had I, I had no choice but to be the good child. So I studied extremely hard. And um, and I, I had the, the, you know, I lost my mom at 21, but I didn't can lose sight of my goals and I completed my studies to become a barrister and also I became an attorney at the same time I later on qualified as a solicitor also but um, I set myself a target to become a millionaire before 30 come um, 27 I hit that target and I was a millionaire now that's some imagine a late a woman who's qualified at that time two jurisdictions now three and was lawyer in two jurisdictions had become a self-made millionaire by the age of 27 was working for some of the top law firms from that confident self-assured woman I manifested and created a life for me within the next few years of where I was at one point with two kids I was mother of two kids I had left my partner because he too cheated on me and um, and I was fully financially dependent on him. So I was a single mother with two kids in one of the poorest part of London, living off for a very short period of time, but living off welfare. Mm. So now why do I share this story? Because this is, um, it's a mirror image of my mother. And can you imagine the manifesting powers that I must have, you know, imp- you know, put into place and all the things I had to put into place to attract to me, to create an environment 
which was a mirror image of my mother's. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the similarities. My father um, she, uh, married a woman who was 19 years, no, 16 years younger than my mother. The girl my ex cheated on me was 16 years younger than me. My mother was in her mid to late 30s. I was in my mid to late 30s. My mother had two children, the youngest being five, that was me. I had two children, my youngest being five. It was a boy, but they're still the same thing. And my father did not want to leave my mother. He wanted to keep both my mom and his second wife, because in Islam, you're allowed to have multiple wives. My ex, who was in here in UK, and can you imagine me being a lawyer and everything else? He expected me to agree because he said he didn't want to leave me either. He wanted me to agree to him having her and me. Can you imagine? Right. I'm like, dude, no. Um, So... It was, it was, and I still hadn't put the pieces together, by the way. I'd been doing all this, um, you know, intuitive life coaching and training and so forth. And it was okay to see everybody else, but I still hadn't put all the pieces together until my aunt said to me, your mother must have turned in her grave. And I said, yeah, she must be very upset that her daughter's going through this. She goes, no, she would turn in her grave because exactly the same things happening to you that happened to her. And that's when it was a pivotal moment for me. Instead of going to victim mode thinking, oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> what have I manifested? This is my doing. No one else is my doing. If I'm manifesting my mother's exact life, it means the energetic imprint was in my, in my energy. And this is why I attracted all the different characters to make this scenario, to create this situation for myself. And that was pivotal because instead of going into the victim mode, I thought, if I can create this and imagine what a lawyer, who, I mean, I was a lawyer back in finals. I was a lawyer as a New York Bar, you know, I was a member of New York Bar Association. I was New York attorney as well. So imagine the things I had to put into place to create this scenario where for a very short period of time, I was on welfare. And at one point, all I had was 137 pounds and 14 pence coming to me for every four weeks and had no other income, none whatsoever. Imagine the situation I had to put myself through. If I can create this, what else can I create? And this is why it was pivotal for me. And that's when I realized, okay, I know all this, um, you know, academically. Now I need to do it for myself, spiritually and energetically. And that's when my journey began for myself. Before that, I'd done a lot of work on for others and I was very good at it. But I had to deal with my own money blocks. And this is where, you know, my whole, uh, my mastermind is based on, on the 10 core principles and that all those 10 principles I had to do myself. So the very first one is forgiveness. I had to forgive the very first person, which was myself for creating the situation. Next was divine sense energy for allowing the situation to happen. And third with my ex at the time and who I have forgiven, of course, and we have a very similar relationship now, but this I had to experience and I had to learn how to let go and forgive myself as well as divine sense energy, as well as everyone else who played a part in creating a life of mine. And this is why I think it's so beautiful because I had to experience it, go through it. But now when somebody else comes to me, I can tell them right now. And when I, I'd say, when you come to work with me, it's not easy. I don't make it easy because I'm not there to make it easy. I'm there to make, give you a result. I'm there to give you transformation. Transformation is not easy. It's hard work. And you need to be mentally prepared for the hard work. But if you are, I will give you a step-by-step methodology, which will change your life beyond recognition. And this is what happens. This is why we get such crazy results. Even in my, you know, my five-day workshop, which is just, you know, very, you know, low-ticket offer, and all the way to the mastermind where we get this huge transformation and people that have these amazing wins. Even today, you know, one of my clients has shared that, you know, she's got a, she's, oh, she saved up for another 12 months for the retainer and she paid like, I think, 
for what she paid for the 12 months retainer, she's made five X back literally within a, within a week of making the payment. And she was just mm. she was laughing. She's like, I love my ROI on the, on the, on, you know, continue with the mastermind. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love it too. But this, this stuff works because you have to experience it spiritually. A lot of people I find read books, attend courses, and they do it intellectually. You have to feel mm-hmm. it spiritually and you have to move emotionally and you have to go through the pain of removing the energy. And then that's when you get the transformation. And this is so pivotal. And this is what I do pretty much. So everything I do in my practice, and I'm, I, I was sharing with you off camera before, I'm a work in progress. I'm mm-hmm. nowhere near complete. So I share all the times when I've fallen short of my expectations of myself, Mm-hmm. I talk about forgiveness all the time, but I also think that you are human and temporarily you can, you know, you can go into the mode of like what's happening, blah, 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 et cetera. But as long as you, okay, recognize your behavior, cut cords and forgive yourself and them, it's all fine. It's all good. You can't be expected to behave at a, you know, at a, a perfect level 100% of the time. 80-20 is what I go with. 80% of the time you should be good. 20% is a leeway that you can have. But this is, <laughs> it's a constant work on yourself and recognizing that, you know, I, I, you know, there's so much work that I've done and I'm appreciating, but I've still got so much more to do. And Mm -hmm. this is how I deal with people and explain it to them. And one of the the best things that I think I learned after forgiveness was earliest money paradigm, that scenario drummed it into me, how important our earliest money paradigms are. I call it earliest money paradigm, but it's also to do with your other traumas with, you know, with your parents. Zero to seven is the primary age for your subconscious programming. We learn about everything there from how to behave, what to eat, how to interact with people, how to socially interact with people, what we expect people to treat us with, how they expect people to behave with with us, and of course, money. Everything about us is pretty much written in in that zero to seven, about 80% of the time. The the remainder 20% is in late um, early teenagers and maybe early adolescents, but that's it. It's done. But early early to mid-20s, you're done. And unless you're doing active work on yourself, you pretty much have programmed yourself. And you're living by those those, um, paradigms, as I call it. And so this is why I realized I had to change. This energetic imprint was in me. I have to change that energetic imprint. So you can change your energetic imprint for whatever, whatever you, you know, whatever's been imprinted on you by your parents. This could be um, low self-esteem. This could be lack of money. This could be people like us don't make money. These people like us don't have money or we have to work hard for money or men are X, Y, Z. Because one of the things that my mother imprinted to me was men are all B, dot, 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 right? And men are snakes and men are not to, to be trusted. And these are all which became my reality. Even though I didn't consciously agree to these um, these terminologies and th- this kind of belief system, subconsciously I did, and therefore my external environment reflected those beliefs and reinforced those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And this is key for you to understand that everything that's showing up to you and externally to you, you are attracting. So your inner world has to change in order for your external world to change. And yes. unfortunately, we're too quick to judge ourselves and other people around us based on our external reality. And we don't want to take the personal responsibility, you know, for us, for what shows up in our world. And this is what I teach. And this is what I um, I always say, if you're not ready to take personal responsibility for everything showing up in your life, you're not ready to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because if you don't look at it openly and honestly, you can't. Mm-hmm. You and meaning everything. All you you can't just show 
a little bit, you have to, you have to really dive down in there and, uh, and money thing. I mean, I think those are great examples in a lot of cases, as you were sharing, you know, just Mm -hmm. how your life mirrored your mom's. Um, but I think, you know, when specifically with things with money that I don't even think people have, nobody even wants to look at where their, their money, uh, hangups are, or what those, what those elements are that, that develop them that, because for some stupid reason, we all think that we should just be great with money and that, mm-hmm. you know, we sh- and if we don't, then we're stupid or we've done something wrong. Well, I, I, I still have not found the person who has not made mistakes financially, even if they were mm-hmm. raised incredibly wealthy, um, that doesn't have some hang up that they're not exactly sure where it came from or how to fix it. And gosh, they really don't want to peel it back if they don't have to. It should just magically make itself better. <laughs> Well, I think this is this is a key that you know we um, a lot of the times we don't understand um, how our earliest money paradigms is impacting us. So when mm-hmm. I, I I always say this to people, people say, well, you know, when I was in my twenties, it was okay for me to make money, and I I give my own example. I said, yeah, it was for me too, because in your early twenties, it we, the universe has a way of of giving us leeway in the early twenties, teens, late teens, and early twenties. It gives us a bit of leeway, and then there's a snapback. You're pulled back to your old paradigms and so I, it, my, I too I was hugely successful in my 20s I went on to become a millionaire in my, in my you know 27 and um, I had a child and whatever else but then the snapback comes from your late 20s to about your late 30s somewhere in between the average I've seen is usually in my mid 30s is when you get the snapback some people are as late as early 40s but you, when the snapback happens, you know, because you start living your life according to how you lived your life with your parents when they were your age. And your, even though you may be dollar amount, you may be making more. So your parents made $100 and you're making $2,000. But actually, liquidity wise, you're very similar. In terms of wealth wise, you're very similar. The kind of lifestyle you have is very similar to your parents. And this is one of the major aha moments that people get, get a lot when they come to talk to me. And I say, look, well, tell me, how do your parents live and how they lived? And we, we talk about it in detail and their views and ideas about money. Okay. And so now you're 30 something or 40 something or 50 something. And we, so I sort of get them to uh, you know come out with their things and their subconscious ideas. And we look at the two and they literally are identical half the time. And the yeah. lifestyle is very similar. And they, they're like, well, I don't know. It was, it's not, it's like this now, but it wasn't before, but it's because of the snapback. And you will get a snapback. You will. There's no way around it because sooner or later, you will go back to your roots. You go back to your old way of thinking. And your old way of thinking is what was imprinted on you. It's not a conscious choice. It was imprinted on you as a baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I rebelled when I was younger and I, you know, I wore Western clothing and I never drank and I never smoked because that's just personal choice I didn't do. But everything else, I became atheist and whatever else. And slowly, slowly I've come back. and I. I'm I'm very I'm not proud to say I'm a, I'm a practicing Muslim. I pray. I have a very amazing relationship with divine energy for me, which is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and I'm very proud of it. But if I look at it, and I'm very modestly dressed now, so my mother was always mod- modestly dressed. I am modestly dressed. Um, you know, I don't wear the scarf like she did, but that's the only difference in a way of thinking, whatever. And if I look at it, I am. You know, my mother was educated, but I'm like ten times more educated than her, living and growing up in a Western world. Yet. I have very similar ideology to my mother's. It, mm-hmm. It's it, 
it's surprising for some people, but not for me, because I understand why. There's certain things I have changed and I purposely changed. And there's certain things where I think I like those. I like that about me. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not talking. But you need to understand most of the times we go into our, you know, we're, we're, we're creature of habits. And those habits come from our, our, our normal way of thinking. Our normal way of thinking comes from our subconscious programming. So we think we are programming our subconscious mind all the time. No, we're not. Even the, what we're able to see around us, we have these blinkers on a conscious mind given to us by a subconscious mind. So the way we think, the way we look upon things, the way we, two people can look at the same exact situation and come away with different scenarios. Yeah, this happens. Absolutely. And that's because our, the, the blinders or the blinkers that subconscious mind puts on us. So it goes down to not whether you're actually strategically good with money. It's about your, your subconscious programming. You know, as you were talking, I was so shocked because it was like, um, it was like you were looking back at a chapter of my own life because mm-hmm. at 26, I read a book called the secrets of six figure women. And it was all mm-hmm. these stories about women and how they got to six figures and beyond. And I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that within the next year. And I did. And Mm. because I was very focused on it and that changed the trajectory of my career, it changed how I operated, it changed my earnings potential. Um, So, you know, I was very successful and somewhere around 34, I realized why am I still, I don't have enough money in the bank for, Mm. you know, the future. I haven't been investing enough. Um, why do I feel like I'm still tight with money? And it's really interesting. I hadn't thought about this until you said that. And you're right. All of a sudden, when I, if I look at my life, when it was 34, I started hosting the family dinners for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I would have people over for Easter and I bought China and I, you know, all of a sudden I was recreating the life that my mom led when I was growing up. I'd never thought of that until you said, you just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, and if you go, if you dig a bit deeper, you will even realize even, even to the, you know, you, you, even to the amount of liquid cash that you have would be very similar, unless you do work on it. You you can change if you do work on it. If you don't work on it, even the liquid cash, and you could be earning more, but you create scenarios where it drips away, you know, um, it, wrong investments um and you know your car breaks down necessarily you you get shortchanged or the roof goes off or the the tornado comes and you're not insured under the you know clauses whatever you know there are these are all logical scenarios logical ways where money drains away and like how oh, why what i'm not doing anything wrong and you're not in a spendthrift yet money drains away and you're like why because your subconscious mind does not feel safe about having more than a certain amount. And therefore, it'll find logical ways to create a scenario for you to make sure that you don't have money. And oh that's why that is, you know, that's why it's so important for you to really give yourself a break and think, I'm not a poor money manager. I just need to figure out what my story is. You know, I'm I'm a great money manager. I can keep money. It's great. It's just. You know, most people are not bad with money. They just keep creating situations where money has to leave. Yeah. And that's the difference. Like you said, this isn't about intellectually learning the process to saving or compound interest. This is about healing the spiritual and the energy component of what keeps us from, you know, creating, uh, you know, um, 
familiar wealth, you know, for long, you know, generational wealth or keeping from moving to, you know, where we need to move to the next level. I found a lot of progress in the last 10 years, especially. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm very pleased with that. But the more we're talking, I'm thinking it's really interesting because there can be more and and there's still more within there. So I love it. Um, Gold, this is fascinating. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. And when we get back, we're going to learn a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. So we will be right back. Have you ever considered hiring a virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Let Kukua Biz help. Kukua Biz matches talented professionals from Kenya with small businesses around the globe. Affordable weekly rates allow you to have a dedicated full-time staff member to help you with anything from administrative tasks, social media management, public relations, and more. Go to kukuabiz.com today for more information or email info at kukuabiz.com. Kukuabiz, that's K-U-K-U-A-B-I-Z.com. And we are back with Golkan and just been a fascinating conversation thus far. Um, you always know it's a good conversation when I'm taking so many notes that I don't have space on my page anymore. Uh, <laughs> and I love, especially, you know, this concept of snap back, you know, what, what points do we start to get ahead? And if we haven't done the work uh, spiritually and energetically that we get pulled back to, to what we may know, even though we don't know, we're not consciously doing that, but we're being pulled that way. And I think it's also an interesting um, uh, question that goes into being an entrepreneur because many people who are entrepreneurs, you know, they all go into it for different reasons. Um, but what might have made them successful, for instance, in their corporate job or, you know, uh, or in a different position uh, doesn't always play in the entrepreneurial world. Or sometimes we don't um, harness the the other strengths that we may have because we may get snapped back in other ways. What have you learned about yourself on this entrepreneurial journey that, you know, that you now recognize, hey, this is something I've really learned. I've, I've either I've done the hard work and I've come out the other side, or this is how I really used my strength to become a superpower for me. Oh, that's a great question. I think, and I'm going to refer back to a book I read years ago and I revisited recently because it's such a fabulous book. It's a book called Psychosybernetics by Maxwell Waltz, an amazing, amazing book. And he talks about self-image. And I think this is a major factor. So when I was, when I, when I, what I found with my, my clients and myself was, I was a six-figure earner in the corporate world, but I had a title. I was a lawyer. So my experience, my level of experience, my the company I worked for dictated the kind of money I should expect. The, the, the market did sort of decided what I was allowed. And um, you know, I was in the mid-range. I was, you know, not the top, not the bottom mid-range, but I was still a six-figure earner. Now, when people transition from a job, a corporate job especially, onto uh, the entrepreneurial stage, First of all, imposter syndrome kicks in. Like, who am I to do this? You know, mm-hmm. and do yeah. I have the experience? Because a lot of people, corporate uh, corporate employees tend to be highly educated. They have all the experience and all these titles behind their name to explain and justify what they're getting. Whereas when they go into entrepreneurship, they're like, uh, where did I get that? I didn't have an MBA. I may have an MBA, but I don't have experience with it. They have all these excuses that come up that I don't have. I can't justify me charging and, um, you know, for my business and making six figures in a business. So that's first thing, the imposter syndrome comes in. Secondly, the self image is a major major factor 
you need to see yourself as a six, seven, eight figure entrepreneur first before it happens. We get stuck in our own stories. We focus more on our shortfalls. And yes, entrepreneurial journey is a roller coaster. You're going to go ups and down. And you have to take both with a pinch of salt. When you go, when you're really high, take it with a pinch of salt because it's not going to stay there. When you're down, <laughs> take it with a pinch of salt because it's not going to stay there. You need to understand the, the, the complexity of having a business because you are the main leader. You're sailing the boat. When you're in, in employment, you don't have to worry about it. The company's taking care of the finances. You have a regular check coming through the, through the door. Whereas when you're on your business, you have to monitor the finances. Now, if you have issues with the money, it will reflect in your business also. Yep. This is a major factor that I realized that my business couldn't take off. Not that I didn't have a great, I wasn't good at what I was doing. It just wasn't possible until I fixed my stories because my business was me. So mm-hmm. it reflected me. So this is something else. As an entrepreneur, you need to work more on your mindset. You need to, yes, you, you can learn the strategies. Yes, you can learn the best Instagram hacks or YouTube hacks and whatever else. There's plenty of things out there. And I think this day and age, setting up business is not too difficult. It's the inner work, which is more important, the mindset work, which is more important and recognizing the achievements and the downfalls and the peaks and the troughs all come hand in hand and you need to be prepared to fail. And I did, I'm doing a podcast on this thinking that if you are not ready to fail, you are not ready for success as an entrepreneur. There's I agree. no way. I mean, there's, I have, I have met a single entrepreneur and someone who got really famous and really amazing entrepreneurs. I've met, I had the privilege of meeting so many amazing people now and some eight, nine, 10 figure people. And they all say the same thing. You know, I failed more often than I've succeeded. And it's because of those failures, I don't see, they don't see them as failures. They see them as lessons that I'm so successful today. And this is something with, which you do with your mindset. You have to, if your self-image is weak, if you haven't done the inner work, the first sign of failure, or maybe the second or third times you try and you don't succeed, you will give up like, oh, this isn't for me. So that's yep. one thing. And the third important thing is, I think after that is, is definitely your why. Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? What's your reason? Now, yes, I've always been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a quirky person and I love making money and so forth. I can't been going to banking finance when I went to law because by the way, I hated law. I didn't like law. And the only reason why I went through all of that was because I'm like, oh, I'll make lots of money. And I didn't make lots of money. I want to make lots of money. Let's go, let's do this case because I'm going to make lots of money. I tell you, my four years of law degree, I got through because I was going to make lots of money. Anyway, um, but that wasn't a good enough why for me to do a being a not being an entrepreneur. My why came from my two kids. So I remember when I decided to go down the entrepreneurial route rather than having uh, going back to law, which was a logical like, you know, reason for me or logical route for me. And my brother and my dad and everybody at the time was telling me I'm bonkers for going this way. I should go down something which I'm trained to do, you know, and so forth. Um, but I looked at those two children and my daughter at the time was nine. My son was five and they, they weren't seeing the father at that time or barely and maybe once a month or something. And I knew that if I went back to law, I would be doing 70 to 80 hours a week. Okay. And they would be, they would be the same with nanny most of the time. So they would have no parent, forget you know me. They would have the dad, they would have the mother. 
And I could not put my kids through that. I was not prepared to not have my, my kids not have a parent. It wasn't something I was prepared to do. And so failure became a non-option. It was not, I wasn't going to fail. I was going to learn. I was going to succeed. I was going to go through it, above it, around it somehow, but I was going to be there. So that was my biggest why. And secondly, I had to do it quickly because my, my for me, my biggest um, motivation is, yes, I love cars. I'm not into jewelry. I'm not into big things, but I do love cars. I'm, I love my toys. But um, that's personally, and I could do without the toys. The thing that got me through, and I thought I have to make the money, was my daughter's, my kids' education. So they're in private education. Their father played a, totally played a financial card on me. So he's, you know, to keep me, uh, in a, for me to agree to, you know, have him having a second wife and not leaving him, he said you know, he wasn't giving any money and whatever else. And, and so there's no money for the kids either. So we had to pull them out of their um the private schools, he wouldn't give me any money. So he had literally no money at all. And wow. so I didn't have money to feed them either. He just, he was, he was not a nice person at the time. No. Let's just say that. Um, but um, I, I made my decision then my daughter, my, kid, my the kids came out of the private school. And I remember sitting down and saying, next year, my daughter's going back. Mm. And lo and behold, next year, my daughter was back in a private school. How I managed to have uh, do it, I still can't figure out where the, the courage <laughs> came and where the money came from, but she was back in. My son could have gone back, but I chose to keep one in until I was more financially um, stronger because I don't want to be pulling both in, in, in and out, in and out. So my daughter was older, so she was a priority at the day. And two years later, my son was in as well. So for me, I mean, everyone has different priorities. For me, it was a private education. I wanted them to have the best education possible. That was my motivating factor. And then it was to move into a nicer home, have a nice car and all of that stuff. But they came second. So you need to have a strong enough why, which is going to make you go through those, those troughs and those hardships and those that moments of doubt. You think, can I even do this? Yes, yeah. I'm going to do this. There's no, failure is not an option. If you want to become an entrepreneur, you have to come with the mindset, failure is not an option. I'm going to find a way around it, through it, above it, or somewhere or underneath it but I'm going to be successful and I am successful. It's just a matter of time. It's that I am rather than I can, or I will be. You are successful. You are successful right now. You just has to show up in your 3D world. I love that too. Cause earlier, you know, you'd made a, a statement too, that I think is really important. And it also goes with what you just said. And what you'd said earlier was be prepared to fail and, but not to look at, but that, but, here you're, you know, when you also say failure is not an option, be prepared to have those little setbacks, those little yeah. mini failures, those yeah. lessons, because if you accept that, then you're much more likely to say, and failure on the big, big scope is not an option, but I better be willing to have some bumps and bruises along the way. Exactly. Because I'm going to yeah, learn so from them. I'm going to learn not to run into that wall again. <laughs> exactly. So when I say failure is not an option, you only you are only a mm. failure if you stop trying. Yeah, so from exactly. Example, you are only a failure if you stop trying. If you if you don't stop trying, then those are lessons, and you're learning. And these mishaps, or these troughs, or these you know so-called seen as failures by other people. Those are just expensive lessons at times. Fair enough. Yes. I, those are lessons that you need to learn to move on. And I promise you, in the grand scale of things, you will look back and see them as the best lessons you've learned because they'll probably give you the biggest boost and you know, and yeah. will propel your business 10x, which wasn't possible without those lessons that you've learned. I, I, I really believe that divine source energy never gives us anything without equal benefit. It's a concept I learned from Bob Proctor, you know, way back when I was 20 something and it stayed with me. He said, 
you know, every situation has equal weight in goodness as it does in the, in the wrong side. It just depends on which way you're looking upon it. If you go and find the equal amount of goodness in that situation, you'll find it. You just yes. don't, when, you, when something happens, you just don't want to see it. You just, you're blinded to it. So you need to train your mind to think, okay, this is an awful situation. It looks awful. What There must be equal amount of goodness in it. How can I find it? How can I turn around? What can I learn from it? What can I do from it? When you develop that mindset, and this is a muscle that you have to train and learn to adapt, you know, this is training your mindset. When you can do that, doesn't matter what's thrown at you, what happens to you, you will come out the other end. I'm not saying you won't have your moments when you sit down and cry. I still do that. You know, when yeah, you're man. like, oh, I'm really tired. Oh, why me? You can have those, I'm saying 18, 20 moments. You can have those down moments. You know, nobody expects you to be perfect. But, you know, it's it's the don't stay down. Get up. Brush yourself and say, tomorrow's a new day. I'm good. Yeah. You know, you know, it's I've cried, I've done it, I've gone through the emotions. Now let's see what can we do about it. And have that attitude constantly. I'm gonna do this, I can do this. Let me see how can I see the goodness in it. And there's, I promise you, every single situation, there's equal amount of goodness in it. And I'm gonna give you a very personal one. One of my major ones that I struggled with for the longest time was why did my mom pass away at the age of when I was only 21? And she was the only parent I I knew. And she didn't see me graduate. Her biggest wish was for me to graduate. And I was two years away from graduating. And my my brother was, um, my brother and I both were two years from graduating. Um, And and I remember thinking, and now looking back hindsight, yes, she didn't see me graduate in physical world. She has, she did see me graduate in the spiritual world. Of course she did. But that wasn't a, 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 that wasn't her lesson. It was my test. It was my lesson to become who I am. If my mother did not depart at 21, I would not have the character that I do. Most people look up on me and say, oh, my God, you're so strong. I had no choice but to be strong. I had no choice but to be who I am. But I love who I am. I, I really am proud of who I am. And I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through that pain, that trauma of losing a parent, the only parent I knew at 21, but continuing my education because that was her wish and I wanted to make her proud. So, you know, that's that's a really personal, really painful one. But I would not have the strength of character. I wouldn't be who I am if she'd not leave me at that moment. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you'd said also a moment before about sometimes we learn expensive lessons um, and I think or tough lessons. But I also think that, you know, just from what you said, it's also sometimes an investment in the next evolution of who we are. And yeah. they might not feel good or they might cost us some money or a sleepless nights. But if we make use of them the right way, and to your point, you reflect on what's the positive outcome, then that's an investment on our our next evolution. Agreed. I love it. Absolutely. hundred percent. I love it. Gal, we could talk all day because I just you're I I love your honesty. I love your passion about this. You've um you've just really inspired me in a lot of ways. And I know we're gonna have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now because they think I think I want to work with this woman, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, if they want to learn more and listen to me more, then my podcast, Money Minds with Gul Khan, is the best one, which hopefully we'll have Michael here soon as well. So she'll come Yay. over and we can have a chat and conversation about her life there. Um, so my podcast and my book, which, by the way, you can find on Amazon, which is Laws of Money. Those are two best ways to find me. If you want to get an introduction to my work, and we'll have the link for that as well, is that's my workshop. It's a five-day workshop, and we've kept it super low price for £27, which is about $37. And you get 20 hours off work with me. 
it's it's a group coaching program and it's got everything there that I sort of give you and I, unlike other people I what I've done in that workshop is everything that people do in my mastermind that's foundational for it so I haven't given you stuff that you know that's freebie stuff that's actually core material stuff that I expect people in my mastermind to know because the whole the remainder of the 12 months are built on those five days the, those core elements those core principles and I think those core principles are what everyone should be aware of so it's called uh, abundance mindset makeover workshop and the website for that is the same thing which is www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com go and check it out and uh, we've got tons of testimonies if just for the coming out from those five days because it's a phenomenal program i'm really really proud of it and i've purposely kept the price super super low so it's a no-brainer for everybody i love it we will check it out and we will have all the links to it as well um before we go do you have any you've already shared so much with us but do you have any other last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers certainly i would say i mean one thing that i I say normally but I i didn't have a chance to say today which was the one thing that you need to be doing as an entrepreneur is becoming best friends with money. Now, I didn't have a chance to talk about something called a money avatar. I, I, I get people to when they come to me, and this is in the in the workshop as well, as I, as a teacher. Plus, it's also in my book as well. But I, what I want you to do is become friends with money. And the easiest way to become friends with money is to create your own money avatar. And I have a set of process which I take you through. But in, in, unless you become friends with money, unless you start treating money with the respect and the kindness that you expect from any other individual, don't expect money to stay with you. Money is energy like everything else. And if you're not treating money with the dignity and respect it deserves, I'm not asking you to be greedy for it. I'm not asking you to run after it. I'm asking you to treat it with respect and dignity that it deserves. Then don't expect it for it to come in, you know, come in um, large quantities or to remain with you. And I think far too many entrepreneurs have this really love-hate relationship with money. And they, then they don't understand why they can't build a successful business. And mm-hmm. so fix your relation with money first. And I promise you, it will come to you and in ways you don't realize. And money advertise is probably the best way for you to understand how to become best friends with money. I love it. Well, thank you. Your um, your stories are amazing. Your inspiration is, is so energetic. It's amazing. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been super fun. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.